0: Yeah, Thank you for tuning in, it's more than a podcast yeah. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast The Lord's grace and God's wrath More serious than a bomb blast Full disclosure inside the title No surprises, simply put Guys with Bibles, yeah just some regular reborn, reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word Okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah.
1: We were lost in the darkness of night Immersed in sin, but then the, the light, light emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ That shines light, the word in Genesis That assigned life and hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on
0: the power, power of the, the gospel. gospel Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: doctrine glorifying God with your hosts Sean, Scott and Lee
0: hey what's up everybody this is guys with Bibles I'm Scott and I'm Lee and today we're gonna be missing one of our hosts Sean unfortunately I think he is not feeling well um, so we He's will be going on migrating. without him yeah it's that covid.
1: <laughs> no! Uh, no, no, no! Uh, oh, yeah. Just a migraine, people. Don't worry. Just
0: a migraine, all good. Um. <laughs> so I hope everyone's staying safe. Hope everyone is enjoying their time together with their families and their social distancing. So, and we we thank all you essential workers out there, especially you know. Yeah. Did you see what Trump said today, In his? Well, he got out there and he said, well, I noticed that we have made bars and liquor stores and everything else now essential um, to open up and run, but we have not made um, uh, religious gathering. Oh, uh, okay, I read that. And he got out there and he goes, look, they're now back on. You will start today. And if the governors have a problem with it, I'll override the governors. Nice. They can come talk to me. I was like, dang, this guy's yep. got some cannons. Yep. I like this. But, yeah, so he dropped some heat today, and I thought it Good. was really cool, which was really neat. Um, Really enjoyed watching him on that. But, um, yeah, so it's been a it while. It is essential.
1: and so, We didn't need the government to, the, to say it, but it definitely helps when they do say it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's actually nice to see a, a man in that position – Telling the public and its citizens, hey, this is important. We do need this. Why are we neglecting it? And we need to turn our focus back to this. And I really enjoyed it. I was like, wow, that is actually stand up. I don't care if you have your weird. What's what's her name? As uh, Paula White. Paula White. That's it.
1: Everywhere she walks is holy ground. Oh
0: goodness. Don't even get me started. Ah, yeah. oh, I've tried to rid her out of my mind.
1: Don't worry; she'll, she'll get enough plastic surgeries that if you see a picture of her, you won't even recognize her anyway.
0: I will say this: if she is influencing Trump into speaking more religiously and looking towards the religious um, section of America, then, dude, more power to her. Uh, but I, is her she worse than sucks. Balaam?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I right. can draw a straight but, line with a crooked hey, stick.
0: Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and I think that's probably what he's doing. But uh, yeah, um, who am I to say? I don't know. But anyway,s so we're diving back into Ephesians. It's been a while since we've touched base it's on been Ephesians. Been a
1: while. Been a while.
0: <laughs> but uh, on, we're in chapter three. I think we left off on verses twenty and twenty one. Um, to finish off the chapter, y- you and- think so?
1: Because I told you so. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Okay. Lee told me that we left off on verse 20 and 21. <laughs> and so we're going to attack 20 and 21. So Dr. Lee has. No, nah, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, so I think, we're- think that's where we're at. I don't remember it. Obviously, he does. It's okay. Because he listens to the show the most. I'm
1: the only one. At least among the hosts that listens to the Right, right yeah.
0: So we'll dive in, we'll go ahead and read this Um, Verse 20 of chapter 3 It starts by Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly Beyond all that we ask or think According to the power that works within us To him be the glory in the church And in Christ Jesus To all generations forever and ever, amen This ends the reading So Now since we left off on these two verses We can do a little mini recap So from verses 1 to 13 Paul is basically um, defining that he is a prisoner of Christ And that he was given this position by God himself It wasn't a position that he appointed himself into Um, And he's been trying to argue that throughout He also dives into a specific area when he says, um, Where is it? I think it's in uh, verse verse 7. Yeah, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the workings of his power. So he is trying to emphasize that. What is given to Paul and the authority that has been given to Paul is because of God's grace and his power alone. It wasn't anything that Paul had done. Um, So we see this and he brings down into when we get into 13 and uh, he, he starts by, therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory so the trials and tribulations that Paul is undergoing for coming and preaching and proclaiming the gospel um, he is telling them to not take heart to this that it is because they're being gloried uh, is for their glory eventually and to be glorified um, at the end um, so I think we're we're leading up he's focusing solely on Christ and we dive right into chap, uh, verse 20 um, Where he starts off with now to him He's referring to Christ Who is able to do far more abundantly Beyond all that we ask or think So that Christ knows our hearts He knows our minds He knows exactly what our desires are Our, um, our thoughts He knows them before we even think them Um, And he knows far more beyond that So he knows what's best for us He knows um, the best decisions Have already been made Through him and not us So when we ask things in prayer And sometimes we get the no answer um, It's usually in our best interest So I think we're diving into this And it's going to jump into the unity of the spirit Down in chapter 4 And that's when this whole Book of Ephesians just blows up And I think it just gets even better um, What about you, Lee? Yeah, uh, so verses
1: 20 and 21 are a, a pretty common benediction That's used in the church And you can see, as we've been talking through chapter 3 That that Paul's been building up to that um, that benediction All for the whole chapter talking about God's grace and his power in his calling of Paul to do what he's doing right now in writing this letter and preaching and planning churches um, but the thing that gets me about this is a, a lot of people don't read it in the context of not only all of chapter three but really the entire book of of Ephesians right and, it
0: all it all goes together
1: yeah. And so people tend to break it out, and this is used a lot in the um, the Word of Faith churches, um, basically to say that um, you got to think bigger because God God can do more than we can ask or think. And so rather than trusting God to do what even we wouldn't know to ask Him for, they turn that and twist that into. We have to use our power to think bigger and pray bigger to get more of what we want. And uh, I, I was excited to talk about this because I, um, at least, we could put it put it out there from our perspective about how wrong <laughs> how wrong that is to think, right? Because it subverts everything that Paul's been saying, not only in this chapter or this letter, but all of what he writes in the New Testament, and that is totally. Um, outside of the scope of the entire Council of God too This is all about Amen. God and His power Not our power
0: Exactly exactly.
1: So saying that to Him who's able to do far more abundantly Beyond all we could ask or think Is not an invitation for us To try to think bigger And to think right. more like God It's to trust Him to do for For our benefit, for us What even we don't know What to ask for
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's back to um, so I'm in a I'm in a class right now and it's talking about spiritual disciplines and uh, the formation of a, a Christ like character, um, and a lot of our spiritual disciplines like Bible reading Our prayer time um, can end up being focused as um, like a self help remedy. Or like um, uh, Kind of Why am I having a brain fart here? Like
1: you're benefiting You're benefiting yourself Like this is how I better myself Yes,
0: this is how I better myself This is how I become a better Christian Or doing enlightenment But with like a Christian Exactly I'm becoming more holy by Reading my Bible more I'm becoming more holy if I pray more I'm becoming more holy if I If I Disciple people more Or teach certain topics Or whatever Um, But Spiritual disciplines can also be A hindrance to our growth If they are a self-help Because God doesn't want you To correct yourself God is the one that's going to do the correcting Right, we don't
1: sanctify ourselves that way Like the whole process of sanctification It's his work in us as we live our life of faith Exactly
0: It is you It is you Taking away yourself And your control And giving him everything Giving him full control To do with you as he wills He's going to anyways But You need to give up the control and allow God to mold the clay. Okay, stop trying to mold yourself because it's not going to work. You failed this far; otherwise, you wouldn't have turned to God for help. So, well, and so. the
1: power—the power of the gospel—is that we aren't self-reliant because that's one of exactly. the biggest lies we tell ourselves in our sin: is that we can do this ourselves. And right. if we're not careful, we can drag that into our Christian life. And say, you know, God's given us the tools to live a godly life But I've got to do the work on myself to make him happy So I can spend eternity with him Well, it's not, it's not that way uh, right. Yes, we must be obedient, we're called to be obedient But the power to be obedient doesn't come from us Or from gritting our teeth Or pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps We still, even in our obedience, rely on the grace of God To give us the ability and the desire to do what pleases God it's that uh, That's that Augustine quote Oh, and I botch it every time I think about it I'm gonna have to Google it But basically Oh, way to go He, he made people angry Because he said um, Like, Lord um, This is terrible, okay But, Lord, grant, grant me Grant Bring to pass what pleases you And grant to me the ability to do what pleases you That kind of a thing Like, not only your will be done But but you, you have to help me do your will Right And I, I think right. that's right
0: Yes In order for That's why we have the Spirit Christ sent the Helper That That's exactly why the Holy Spirit is here With us Until he comes The Holy Spirit is Left out ah, way too much You know what I mean
1: Sorry and, I, found, uh, I found the quote Go ahead uh, read it oh, Oh Lord command what you will and give what you command. And that oh, made the Pelagians yeah. so angry.
0: Oh, I bet that like stirred up their skin.
1: Absolutely. Cuz we, I mean, if we're not we're not fallen in sin according to the Pelagian worldview, which is very much alive today. And so we don't need to ask God to give what he what he commands because we have the ability to do that ourselves.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: We can do his <laughs> will without his help Sorry yeah. uh, Sorry I'm God, we don't need that. you
0: Right, right I think that's a load of crap Yeah. But anyways Yes, I agree I agree that We cannot Do the will of God Without his help And if, if we say We are doing it without his help Then we are totally It's become a man-centered theology Mm-hmm
1: well, and so. and if we if we think that we can do it ourselves, um, we're we're also denying the Trinitarian aspect of our salvation and our sanctification, because and, the as, de-
0: and our deity, we're we're completely taking them out. We're well, we're better off without you because we can do this ourselves. Right.
1: We we become our own deity if we believe that way, um, and it, it connects back to this verse because it's, he says after, now to him who's able to do far abundantly than we. Ask or think according to the power That works within us So basically he's crediting that To the Holy Spirit Which we know other places The Holy Spirit is the one Who uh, who translates our soul's groanings To the Father As a, as a, a kind of advocate right. The power His power that's working within us In our sanctification Is the same power It's It's it, Uh, A one-to-one equivalence That same power that works within us As we live our life and we're being sanctified Is the same power That uh, Is able to do abundantly beyond All we could ask or think So it's not like God's withholding anything from us Like the same power That he has to do all that we could ask or think That same power Through the Holy Spirit is at work within us As we live and are being sanctified by him
0: And the only way to it See or feel or understand its power. We have to let the Holy Spirit do His job. You know, don't give up your control. Holy Spirit. Right? Don't don't try to contain Him in a box. I mean, the Holy Spirit's a al- alive. He is. He's inside you, and He is just. He's a roaring. Paul lion. says
1: elsewhere, similar to that, in, in Romans sixteen, Romans sixteen twenty five. It says now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. God's not holding back anything from us.
0: He hasn't pulled the wool over your eyes and told you something different. No. Him. Hey, you've been given. You've been given all the keys to the castle. You just don't know how to use them. Right. Unfortunately
1: We're bad that way
0: Exactly And unfortunately Dad ain't letting you drive So
1: (laughs) Jesus already took the wheel (laughs) Darn right (laughs) And 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 of course then in verse 21 The whole purpose of all this is Glory to him uh, In Christ Jesus uh, And especially in the church You know the church Yeah I like how
0: I like well, it's kind of funny how he put the church before—he put the bride before the groom, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't know why he does it in this verse there. Uh, I would say it's says, because
1: the bride is the one that needs to internalize this teaching, not Christ.
0: Right. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I would go with. That's exactly— Yeah, because he goes, to be To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's emphasizing that the church needs to be indwelt and in Christ in order to mm-hmm. enjoy the the fruit of God. Right.
1: And and we're not gonna grow past that glory. You know, that glory, we're gonna be maintaining and giving that glory to him through all generations of the church, forever and ever until he returns. So Amen. it's not it's not like you know we started glorifying uh God in this gospel back in Paul's day, but now here we sit in the twenty first century, our emphasis needs to go somewhere else. No, glory has to go to him forever and ever in the church now, in all further generations of the church. That exactly. gospel hasn't changed at all. And the only his thing glory that's hasn't changed,
0: changed. changed. Is you people. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And what is wrong with you people? So, so next week I think we'll tackle uh, chapter four. Uh, hopefully, we have Sean with us, and we can tackle chapter four. Um, I think I got it broken up to where we're gonna do verse one through six. Yeah, and then yeah, jump that makes too. sense. Yeah, that's the okay. Sentence. So, Lee, yeah. what have you been reading? During this whole COVID lockdown
1: Well, uh, a while back Actually it was at the beginning of the year No, sorry, it was last year I got that Four Views of Revelation book And I realized that of all the millennial All three millennial views that there are I really didn't know anything about post-millennialism So I've been reading more I actually bought a book also about amillennialism Which is the position that I currently hold In a rather sloppy fashion but I've been trying to educate myself about what really postmillennialism says. Cause I've right. been that's kind of the one aspect of, of my theology that I haven't really deeply considered. So I'm trying to take it and it's kind of fitting that it happens in the middle of a pandemic. Like I'm not just thinking about the last things just because we're in the middle of, of this pandemic, but it's a good enough time as any to start reading some of these big books about about the last the last times. Um, Aside from that, I'm also continuing to read The Mystery of Christ, His Covenant and Kingdom By Sam Renahan And then I just recently picked up And I'm really excited about this This came, actually just got to me this week from 1517 Martin Luther's commentary on Paul's epistle to the Galatians From 1535 Oh man, I love that epistle (sighs)
0: See, I got that I have his commentary to Galatians in... It's
1: uh, 17... When was this printed? Uh... So this one's interesting because this is a recent translation done by Geraldo uh, Camacho. So he translated it from the Latin directly into... But I think he also did a Spanish translation at the same time. The one
0: I have is from 1833.
1: Okay. What I've enjoyed I've only just started this uh, Just a little bit I'm, I'm about maybe 50 pages in But uh, what I've enjoyed Not only is the Kind of contemporary English That he translated it into But also He did kind of what the NASB does With uh, uh, Old Testament references In the New Testament But there, w- there have been omissions from this In the various printings That have happened over the years And he's including uh, What was in the 1535 But uh, parts that were omitted later he's He's got in this text But in italics So we can kind of see like What parts had dropped out over time Some parts they dropped out uh, At one point to not uh, Anger followers of Oryx Wingly And other things uh, Just to like shorten the material Because it's a rather thick book So it's just kind of It's kind of cool to see Not only like Obviously what he wrote about Galatians In contemporary English But then also to see kind of the the Textual critical angle uh, On the manuscript history of that Of that book Arguably probably One of his f- most famous books Obviously aside yeah. from like the bondage of the will
0: I definitely love Love his Take on Galatians um, probably, so punchy, probably one of it's my awesome. favorite Oh man he hits like a rock And uh yeah, my, the one I have is it's from 1833, and I've read it probably three or four times now, and I've used it in a Galatian study um, that we were doing during class. But yeah, I mean, it's a great book. I highly suggest going to um, Banner of Truth, picking it up, checking it out. Also, to go off your uh, eschatology kick that you're going through, um, <laughs> for Amillennialism, um, definitely check out, it's called Kim Riddlebarger.
1: A Case for Amillennialism? Yes, A Case yep.
0: for Amillennialism, I Understanding the too. End of Times. Um, it's very good. He's so- they're solid. They're very good. And then, um, if you are, look, I'm a post-millennial, and... If you want to argue eschatology, I'm probably going to wreck you, but um, because you probably have no understanding of your eschatology, I'm going to be prideful in that mix. But yes, that is that's probably what's going to happen. And um, I, will s- you- I will
1: say, people people should just go ahead and read what postmillennialists say, because guaranteed, you're not gonna you're not gonna know what they really talk about unless you hear it from them. Exactly. Because I had I had so many red herrings uh, in mind before I started reading into it, and so I feel like I understand it. I don't understand it completely, but uh, but I definitely have a better view of how post millennial uh, people view, uh, especially uh, Revelation twenty. But uh, just how far reaching that eschatology is into the rest of the Bible is pretty compelling.
0: Uh, yeah, and then I have
1: it, I have one more book too. By the way. Oh what 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 did you get? So I, over the last couple years, I had put some uh, some hints out on Facebook that people, you know, if they wanted to, to buy me for either Christmas or my birthday, which is in January, the Reformation Worship Book Liturgies from the Past. Oh yeah, or the yeah, present. yeah. Nobody ever did it, and you know, fine, whatever. So I uh, I cashed in some of my uh, credit card points and went ahead and bought it for myself on Amazon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so that's it, like it, a $50 book. Yeah. So it arrived the same day that I got the uh, um, Luther commentary from 1517. So it's been, it's been, uh, I've just been buried in books right now, which is great. Oh, yeah. That's usually my life. Yeah. It's
0: buried in books. My wife goes, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> but if you're, if you are diving into eschatology, I will put out there um, different people that I find that are the best to, um, articulate the eschatology rather than you just read it out of a book uh, of like a school book mm-hmm. um, if you are into premillennialism um, which is the oldest of the eschatologies and it, it if you get the book it's called it's by Robert Franklin um, it's called rediscovered early church premillennialism teachings of the early church fathers on prophecy He is probably the best, I would say, hands down at teaching premillennialism because he doesn't get tossed to and fro um, between pre-mill and ah-mill and into some post-mill. Like a lot of people I've read, they're wishy-washy. They're in every camp and they don't understand what they're talking about half the time, which drives me nuts. I don't like people who double-dip.
1: He's what you would call historic pre-mill Not dispensational pre-mill
0: Yes And if you were going to get a dispensational pre-mill I would highly suggest Charles C. Ryrie Um, He's probably one of the best It was around his time Um, He has a book out And it's literally called Dispensationalism (laughs) And it's almost like Dispensationalism for dummies And you can literally go through it See what they're going through What they're talking about The verses um, The progress of their dogma um,
1: What's literal and what's not literal Yes,
0: yes <laughs> The hermeneutics of s- dispensationalism um, All kinds it's of stuff It's very
1: reliant on hermeneutics Yes, it
0: is And if you look through a dispensational worldview Or a lens, I should say Of the Bible Then you have to look at every part of the Bible In a dispensational view You cannot You can't take that away At any part of scripture And that's what really Holds dispensational down Um Mm -hmm. And definitely is More of a A hindrance Than it is a help Um So yeah, so millennial. Get Ken Roldenbarger Um Charles Ryrie for Dispensationalism And if you want premillennial For historic Pre-Millennials um, Definitely check out Robert Franklin um, If you are interested In postmillennial Eschatology I highly suggest hi, I can't emphasize this I think this book costs like $9.99 um, It's by Kenneth Kenneth L. Gentry Jr. And it's called The Truth About Postmillennialism, And I'm not saying that this guy is the guy to go to. He's the guy to go to. He's an excellent but, uh, communicator. Um, if you don't, if you have differences or understanding about post mill, you need to check out Kenneth Gentry. Um, he is the, I want to say the Michael Jordan of post mill. So, I'm telling yeah. you, In, he's better he's- than. James White. He's better than Jeff Durbin. I don't care what y'all say. Those guys really don't understand post millennial theology, uh, eschatology. They they bounce around between camps, which is it's very easy. Um, but you have to know where you're where you're looking. Well
1: and, and Doug Doug Wilson is also post mill and he's pretty solidly post mill, but uh, people dislike him for a lot of other reasons that they would not. Uh, probably wouldn't listen to him on on that topic if they dislike him for something else already. So right. Ken Gentry and I, already kind of has a has a clean slate, so to speak. He's like the post millennial guy, so it just seems it just makes sense to read his stuff if you want to find out what a what right. post millennial eschatology looks like.
0: And if you're worried about post millennial eschatology, Greg L. Bonson he has a book. It's called Victory in Christ. Uh, victory in Jesus the bright hope of postmillennialism. Um he's a postmillennial uh Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Um there's 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 actually B. B. a Warfield. lot BB Warfield. BB Warfield, he was a postmillennial. John um, Owen. Yes. Uh Knox, I believe. Yeah. And um uh, So if you're if you have any doubt there were several
1: Puritans that were Yeah,
0: there were a lot of Puritans. I think uh Baxter, not all of them but
1: Baxter was
0: a post mill. And, um, yeah, I don't, but, anyways, I'm telling you, post mill eschatology is definitely underrated and misunderstood. Um,
1: it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely misunderstood. D- I can, definitely. I can speak to that because I definitely <laughs> didn't understand it. Yeah. So and I still only know just a little bit. I want to know yeah. more. And I need and, to study more about my own, uh, Current convictions on uh right. eschatology and, too. So. Exactly.
0: And I like I mean, a lot of people they just they adopt an eschatology, you know. Right. Like it's floated around inside church, you know, yeah, I'm a dispensationalist, yada yada. And then you're kinda like, well, okay, well, if I agree with these people, you know, we all go to church together, then I must be a dispensationalist. And it just mm-hmm. it just gets adopted. And then when you're asked about the eschatology. You have no answer, because you're like, well, yeah, the end is going to end how it's going to end. Okay, you literally told me you haven't studied anything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. Well, and, you know, kind of dispensationalism can go out the door uh, if you become convicted of uh, covenant theology. So before even studying eschatology— if if you're already into covenant theology, then dispensational premillennialism is already out the door for you, because you don't see you don't see the the work of God playing out in the way that the dispensationalists say. So exactly. that's why a lot of people who are uh, covenantal um, in their in their theology, the way that we are, if you're subscribed to the 1689, uh, then then you are already uh, covenantal minded. So then you right. you're down to either millennialism or postmillennialism for your uh, eschatology. Literally. Cause... Or or some some are historical premill, uh, but definitely you, you you the dispensational aspect is out the window for you already before oh, you yeah. look at
0: you can't you can't even claim to be dispensational and covenantal because right. the two cannot coexist together. Right. It's you can't you can't fuse an ox and a horse together. So it's just it's just not gonna it's just not gonna work out well. So But yeah, the, and this is
1: this is stuff like in theology that I find really fascinating and that's Exactly um, it's it's a good thing to study. It's not it's not a waste of time. And this is kind of the stuff that people talk about, like oh, eschatology doesn't matter, you know, all this stuff. Like actually it it does, and it'll be part and parcel of your broader uh, of your broader theology, um, exactly. so and of course there are people that say theology doesn't matter either, but I yeah. certainly contend well, that it does Well, that's
0: theology, matter. obviously. Yeah. If you say as soon as you say matter. Jesus
1: is Lord, you're
0: doing theology. Exactly, which is interesting. Yeah. So here, here's my whole cut of the pie. When I hear about eschatology being non important, I'm one of those. What is? What do I always hear? I'm a
1: Pan millennialist, everything will pan Pan millennialist,
0: however it pans out in the end. Yes. Well, okay. Here's the here's the thing. You can't have a firm understanding of the Bible if you don't understand how it ends. And you can't have a firm understanding of the Bible if you don't know its beginning. Which why do we hammer the beginning so much? Because we need to understand the beginning, the fall Everything that happens to set a course for the end And if you don't understand the end You can't understand the beginning And it's vice versa So everything else in the middle is meaningless If you don't understand either or You have to understand the Bible as a whole
1: Especially if you misunderstand the kingdom of God too Because depending on how you view Not only what the kingdom of God is But how he How God runs it And grows it and operates it That is going to play a huge part Into your eschatology too As well as exactly. really your your ministry uh, As a believer in your time too Exactly, exactly.
0: And I, I believe Post-mill Out of all the eschatologies That are held I believe Post mill holds the gospel to its truest form. And I'm, I'm being blunt. I'm being as blunt as I can because every other eschatology abandons the gospel. And you can tell me that's not true. Trust me. We can go toe-to-toe. I'm probably going to win. Uh, so, i <laughs> just saying. But... If you look at eschatologies and you believe the power and the work of Christ that he did for the gospel and how the Great Commission is implored to the Christian believer on how to act and how to go and preach and proclaim the gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation forever and ever. Amen. That that is the source, the source of everything. Everything right there is the gospel The gospel is The work and power Of Christ Throughout the whole entire Earth and once We abandon the gospel Well then who cares How it ends you know So I mean
1: well and if there was ever anything To be optimistic about it would be about God's plan for his church And for the power of his gospel So
0: exactly Exactly and Paul be, emphasizes the power of the about gospel anything else,
1: but you have to exactly. believe that, that God's going to bless the preaching of his word and the the spread of the gospel.
0: Exactly. And I'm I'm telling you, I I highly implore all of you guys to dive into eschatology. Read up on a few of them. Let it tickle tickle your tummy, you know? <laughs> Throw some in. See if it tastes good and just kind of wrestle with it for a while. Um, dive into it. Look up for some good teachers, good, solid teachers on eschatology. You can find them. They're out there. Some of them are not well known publicly eyed names like John MacArthur, who's known for his dispensational belief, RC Sproul for his ah mill. You know, you have your pre millennial, um Actually, to be honest, I don't really know Sam any Sam Storms is, an, is a known millennial. Sam yeah, yeah. So check those guys out. Um, I'll try to link guys, to those books yeah.
1: in the notes too.
0: Okay, cool. Um, but other than that, uh, I've been reading a book by Thomas Watson, and it's on the Doctrine of Repentance. Short little book, not a big book, and it's probably like 60 pages um, How booklet. big's the print, though? Huge, <laughs> huge. <laughs> I wish I could do a Donald Trump. Huge, huge. 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 That the um, book
1: is so huge.
0: Yeah, and dude, I'm telling you what, Thomas Watson,
1: he's a bomb. he's
0: cut. Dude, he's cutthroat. The dude is calling out what is true repentance and what is false repentance, and dude. I can remember times in my early Christian walk where I had the false repentance. Oh, sure. Where I was like, Oh, I was like, wow, no kidding. This is crazy. I was like, man, I thought I was actually being very repentant. And obviously I'm having Not some so self-reflection much. and I'm like, wow, maybe I wasn't. Maybe that was really self-centered of <laughs> me. And uh, Um, I was really focused on how to self-improve myself, which is what we talked about earlier on in the episode. Right. And it just really dawned on me. I'm like, wow, look look how far God has brought, brought me from, where he rescued me from, my Egypt. He took me out of my Egypt, and now he's totally taken me through the wilderness. And I've been bumped, beat up, and stuck in sandstorms this whole trip but i mean he has sustained me this whole entire time and now i'm able to look back on my journey and go wow that was rough Whew! you know like i'm glad god bonked me on the head with some theology you know and straightened me out finally but.
1: Well, and, and one of the I think one of the great strengths of the Puritans is is that they they were I think uniquely able to say hard things like that and then deliver uh, in a, a compelling way the grace of God um, in the next instance, so that yeah. it doesn't become a uh, like you said a self help project like you know. Gonna, we're gonna hit you with the law here and show where you fall short, and then show you the grace that uh, that is yours in Christ. So that repentance yeah. doesn't become an act of acquiring God's love or His grace, but it's a reflection of the fact that we have His His grace, and that exactly. He's calling us to a closer relationship and a deeper sanctification. The, yeah. the Puritans were great at at balancing those out.
0: Yeah. In a very and
1: loving ha- and pastoral way. They I don't highly get the credit recommend for that, that they really should.
0: And they, yeah, they should. And I really like the ones who hit me with the gloves off, you know, where I'm sitting in the chair and I'm having to sit back and go, wow, and really reconcile with myself and go, wow, this is, he's talking to you like he's talking directly to you. Mm-hmm. Like John this Owen's guy, Modification
1: of Sin does that too.
0: Oh, oh, I love that one. But he's really difficult to read. If you want to Yeah, he's hard to read, but anyways, Thomas Watson is your man. His his book on the 10 commandments is flawless. Flawless. You want to you want to learn incredible. about the 10 commandments, it is probably the best commentary on the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. In book form that I have ever read So and, comprehensive Oh You'll eat that thing all day And that's, that's what's great about this book of repentance I have been reading it Literally every single day And I am just I can't turn the page Without Having to sit there and go Wow He's really going for it Wow he's <laughs> He's really hitting them hard here. Like, if I were in the audience, I would have probably been in tears at this sermon because I would have felt so guilty and felt just totally dirty. But the way he finishes, he finishes in the most uplifting, glorious way where you actually feel the redeeming work of your Savior that same moment. You were converted (laughs) when you You were
1: describing that. I was going to say that he ends it in a very puritanical way, but of course, yes, people have a terrible idea of what the Puritans were like. So to say that he ended it in a puritanical way actually smacks negative. Well, I tried. I tried to
0: try to really doll it down from Puritan area. So, (laughs) but yeah, so I'm telling you, this book will bring you to tears. And it will fight you tooth and nail. And the funny thing is, it's a small book. It's a tiny book. And this is the one that packs a punch. So if, if you're wrestling with repentance, if you're struggling with repentance, or you're unsure about your repentance, I highly suggest to go on Amazon, check out Thomas Watson, get The Doctrine of Repentance. It is a must-have and a keepsake in your library. It will... Not let you down I'm telling you And if you like it Please leave us a comment Send us an email Quote us on Facebook And guys with Bibles And Lee That's pretty much all I got You got anything? Sweet.
1: Nope I think that's it I'll just tell them Where, where they can find us
0: Right on Alright cool. Lee
1: Where can they find
0: These so-called guys with Bibles.
1: I'm so glad you asked. You can go to our website, guyswithbibles dot com. You can go there. You can listen to audio of the podcast on there. You can read the uh, blogs that Sean and I post uh, every week. Uh, You can also sign up for our newsletter, uh, which is of course called Guys with Newsletters. Uh, That comes out every Monday, as long as the internet's going all right. This last one. Uh, as we're recording it, the last one I put out, I had to do it on Tuesday because my internet wasn't working so great. Um, then you can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Guys with Bibles. We have the Facebook group, the Guys with Bibles Facebook group. So jump over there and request to join. And then you can email us directly at guyswbibles at com. And, of course, we're part right of the on. Bar Network, so check the check show notes. Check out the Bar yeah uh so there's one link at the bottom of our show notes that's uh that goes to a web page that has all the listings for all the podcasts on the network uh, so you should really go there and check them out and uh, show some love and um yeah that's, that's definitely the stuff
0: boom all right hey, we will see you guys next time maybe we won't it's a podcast as Lee would Thank say you. but We hope to hear back from you. We hope you enjoy this. And we're Guys with Bibles. And we out.